Michael wants to know what's going on. Marco, what's going on? I don't know. What's going on, Paul? Who wants to know? Michael wants to know. <laughs> I think we should let Michael know what's going on. Yeah. Break out the saxophone and the body oil. It's now playing Lost Boys Retrospective Series. Just so you know, if you try to stop us or vamp out in any way, then I'll stake you without even thinking twice about it. In preparation for Lost Boys The Thirst, coming direct to DVD this fall, our Lost reviewers Jacob, Marjorie, and Arnie will be watching and reviewing all three films. We're dedicated to a higher purpose. We're fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. These podcasts will be spoiler-filled and may contain objectionable language. Listener discretion is advised. Now you know what we are. Now you know what you are. You'll never grow old, Michael. And you'll never die. But you must feed. We're here discussing Lost Boys, The Thirst, starring Corey Feldman, Jameson Newlanders, Joe Vaz, Porteous Xanadu Steamcamp, and directed by Dario Piana. This is Arnie, co-host of Now Playing. And this is Marjorie. <laughs> this is Jacob, by the way. And you just took Corey Feldman's line from The Thirst. His catchphrase. You got to admit, that's a catchphrase that's very easy to remember. Yes. It doesn't require <laughs> cue cards. I'd like to know how they wrote it in the script. Is it Edgar Growls? And we saw Lost Boys The Thirst at the preview screening at San Diego Comic-Con with the Frog Brothers, Corey Feldman, and Javison Newlander in attendance. We got stories. Dude, now playing <laughs> Shaped this press conference before the filming we made some waves well technically jacob it was you and your wife who is a huge license to drive fan and you mentioned in the first podcast that she got you into the lost boys and she truly is a license to drive fan like it's one of those like guilty pleasures from her childhood she owned it on vhs it's just one of those films that takes her back to when she was a kid and yeah, she she likes the camp of the Corys. So our plan was to get something signed by Corey, and we figured we'd bring some DVD covers for Lost Boys, Lost Boys 2, and License to Drive to the preview screening. Corey was going to be there just in case we had a chance. Well, earlier that day, my wife finds out, Emily, she finds out that Corey and Jameson Newlander are doing a signing at the WB booth at Comic-Con. So she gets in line an hour early. She's seventh in line. That's how <laughs> hardcore she wants something signed by Corey. So she waits in line. She gets up there. So then Jerry O'Connell shows up and, and starts talking to Corey Feldman for like 10 minutes, like right before my wife gets up there. Hey, Will Wheaton was at Comic-Con. Didn't he show up? Wasn't he cool enough? Will Wheaton was not cool enough to show up to talk to Corey Feldman, but Jerry O'Connell was. And they're like swapping, I don't know, phone numbers or emails on their phones. And, and I just got to say, Corey Feldman, guy doesn't even have an iPhone or, or a droid. I, I don't know what 1993 phone he was using. but <laughs> He was proud of that phone, though. He was. He loved that phone. <laughs> so 
finally, after this like 10 minute pause, so Corey and Jerry could, you know, catch up on their friendship, Emily gets up there. The line's been held up. And the handler's like, they're only signing these Lost Boys that they're posters. And so, you know, the, the rule of Comic-Con, if you want something signed, you just ask. If they say yes, awesome. If they say no, they say no. It doesn't hurt to ask. So I just whisper to her, just ask if he'll sign them. And so she gets up there, and she's like, hey, can you sign some DVD covers? He, he kind of looks at his handler, and he's like, I'll, I'll do one. You know, I, I can't do all three, but I'll do one. So she was hesitant, but she goes and pulls out the license to drive because she loves that movie. And Corey goes white and, like, starts to tear up. And he's like, I haven't had to sign this since Corey Haim passed. You know, because the poster art is Corey Haim on one side, Corey Feldman on the other side. And he's like, this is the first time that I've done a signing of this that only half of it's going to be signed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Emily felt really bad. She wasn't trying to pull anything. This wasn't, like you know, like some Ashton Kutcher punk media stunt. She sincerely likes this movie, so she feels really bad. She's like, no, you know what? I just – I love this movie since I was a kid. I had it on VHS. I bought this the day it was released on DVD. I just really like this movie. And after that, he was real cool. I actually talked to her for a while. Then she gets to Jameson Newlander, and he's like, you look really familiar. He's like, I've seen you before. I'm like, oh, my gosh. That sounds creepy. It, it does, but it's also kind of awesome that one of the Frog Brothers is hitting on my wife. <laughs> so he's like, where do you live? You know, she tells him where we're from. And he's like, I live there, too. I know I've seen you around. So, like, now it, it's our goal to, like, find Jameson Newlander, like, hanging out, like, at Denny's or wherever we've seen him or he's seen us before and, like, be his friend. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be your friend after we review this movie. I, he probably won't hear it, hopefully. I, I would suggest not starting that conversation with Jameson. We talked about the thirst on now playing. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you think the story ends there, but it doesn't. It gets even better. How could it? So we flash forward to the world premiere, I guess you could call this, of Lost Boys the Thirst. And it's me and Emily. You guys are there. Uh, some other friends are there to watch the premiere at, at 10 o'clock at night. We thought we weren't going to be able to make it. We got there like right at 10. We're afraid it's going to be packed. It's going to be sold out. We're not going to get in. Oh, no, the place is two-thirds empty. Yeah, well, what Comic-Con <laughs> did this year, they, you could go online and, and do your schedule. And so I was doing that as marking the panels and the screenings I wanted to go to. And they had Lost Boys. And it had almost a 1,000 people saying they wanted to go to that. Oh, man, this 1,000 people. That's a lot of people, especially for Lost Boys. The Thirst, <laughs> direct to DVD. They'll be lucky if they sell a 1,000 copies direct to DVD. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know, guys. We might want to get there early. So, like, Emily and I got there an hour early, and we're like, okay, we'll save seats. We walk in. This ballroom is huge. There's, like, over 2,000 <laughs> seats, and there were not almost 1,000 people there by the time it started. There was a few hundred. So people weren't sticking to their schedules. It caused some false alarms there. So Corey and Jameson, they come out. They're going to do this little spiel before the movie starts. And it's funny because Corey had seen the film. Jameson hadn't even seen a screening of the film yet. This was his first time seeing it. Obviously, again, Frog Brothers are not equal. (laughs) So Corey, he's doing this talk. And there's a... Kiefer Sutherland Lost Boys action figure. Why isn't there the Frog Brothers? They're, you know, trying to hype people up. This, the big theme of this was the return of the Frog Brothers, like it was this big reunion. 
And, and then he starts telling the story. He's like, you know, earlier today, a fan came up to me and asked me to sign a copy of License to Drive. Mm. And Emily and I and all of us, I think, because you guys knew the story by then. We're all sitting back there like, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. <laughs> and he goes and tells this whole story about how traumatized <laughs> he was by Emily pulling out this copy of License to Drive and asking for him to sign it. So he gives this whole talk about the Corys and how, you know, he's coming to terms of being the sole Corey now. But then he goes on, and I was just like, laugh. It's funny when you go to these media things and you have to listen to the spin, because he goes on to give this whole speech about how him and Jameson, the Frog Brothers, they were the original Corys. They were the original duo that people were cheering for. And this is the triumphant return of the Frog Brothers back again, fighting vampires, the original Corys back together. I'm like, man, they are really stretching to try to make this film into something you know groundbreaking and revolutionary and it's actually really a misnomer to say it's the return of the frog brothers as jameson newlander's second build barely in it yeah i barely in this film it shocked me like the way they were talking i thought they were going to be sidelined no they have a couple scenes together yeah i thought the same thing i really thought it was going to be like the frog brothers movie yeah that's the way because i knew nothing about this movie going into that comic-con movie showing i really thought it was the way they were hyping it before the movie was frog brothers are back and i think it's interesting also that they were very anti-twilight <laughs> and that was awesome <laughs> and this movie is as well yeah again going to this press release spin thing at the beginning i i I thought it was funny because one of the things we talked about with the first lost boys is how in the time it fell the 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 costumes the settings everything seemed very 1987 you could watch that and it's like a time capsule second film no way did not feel like that and we we expressed that so they do this press conference and they're like Oh, yeah. You know, one of the great things about the first Lost Boys is how authentic it is with the costumes. And I'm like turning it on. We're totally right about that. That's something they were going for. And then he's like, and that's the same thing we did with the second one. I'm like, no, (laughs) no, no, not at all. And then they go on. And that's what we did with this one. It's going to feel very relevant to now, you know, two years later after the second one. I guess a lot has changed. I have the iPhone 4 now, and I only had an iPhone two years ago. Yes, you had an (laughs) iPad to take your notes on instead of an iPhone to take your notes on. And it was just like they're they're trying to, you know, still riding off the coattails of the first one. You're going to be able to watch this film and it's going to scream 2010 just like the first one yelled 1987 and the second one yelled 2008. And that's definitely something I I want to explore as you get into this movie. What does it say? about 2010 definitely bring up that whole twilight thing i think you have to if you're going to do a a kind of comedy type vampire movie i think you have to give some nod to twilight it's so much in the the cultural consciousness now especially at comic-con where last year they had a twilight panel and it created such a frenzy that people couldn't see things like avatar because the twihards were monopolizing hall h and then people actually started carrying placards throughout the rest of the weekend that said twilight ruined comic-con yeah, last year, there, there, man, there could have been a Twilight Riot last year. Tensions were high. I'm surprised somebody didn't get stabbed in the face last year. I know. <laughs> it, it, one, one other positive thing, though, from this, this pre-press release screening, they did do some trivia, <laughs> and there were prizes. 
And thanks to now playing, you knew the answer. Thanks to now playing, I won an autographed copy by the artist and writer of the Lost Boys Reign of Frogs graphic novel. I talked about the comics for Lost Boys 2. Wasn't too impressed, but now I own an autographed copy of it. Wait, wait, wait. It was autographed by the writer and the artist. It wasn't autographed by Feldman and Jameson. I really thought it was Feldman and Jameson. No, it was the creative team. It wasn't even that cool. Oh, man. I was like so jealous that you got this comic because it was you and me both standing up saying the answer. I'm like, I'll, I'll let Jacob do it. And then I thought it was like a Corey signed comic and I was pissed. But it wasn't <laughs> no, it, Corey signed. No, it was just it was by these people i've never i read lots of comics i've never heard of these guys and you probably never will again <laughs> oh but but emily was excited because she's like as soon as they said okay this this prize is for the lost boys graphic novel and she's like there's a lost boys comic why didn't why don't we own this i'm like i've read it it's not good but now she gets the experience no but it was great because it was due to this now playing that i knew the answer they're like what comic were there only four of in existence Batman number 14. Later at the con, I saw a copy of Batman number 14 at a booth, and I was very tempted to buy it, not because I'm a Batman fan, which I am, but because it's a piece of Lost Boys memorabilia to me. Well, speaking of Lost Boys memorabilia, we're going to have a contest because when we went, they were handing out little party packs for this Lost Boys that consisted of glow sticks. Sorry, guys, we all snapped our glow sticks, and they're no longer any good. (laughs) But also... Lost Boys headbands, just like Corey wore in the first, second, and third movie. Everyone was wearing them during the movie. I know. It was awesome. We all put them on. I took a great photo of all you guys getting ready to watch the movie as the Frog Brothers. I turned mine wrong side out because all of you guys had the Lost Boys ad out. I felt it was more movie accurate if I put the Lost Boys <laughs> inside so that it looked just like a You're red such headband. a nerd. You, you don't think Corey wore a headband with the name of the movie on it? <laughs> I think well, he would. He might be wearing it around now. We don't know. <laughs> he, he actually did have one like done up as a, a a bolo tie or something, and like pulled it off and like wraps it around his head. Yeah, the frog, the frog brothers are back. And you know, it, it was ridiculous. Yes, the, he is ridiculous. <laughs> well, at the end of this show, listen to find out how you can win an official Lost Boy San Diego Comic Con exclusive headband. And I'd like to also point out Stuart from Now Playing summed up Corey Feldman perfectly where because he's, he's seen Corey Feldman in concert play up his band in Chicago. And he said, you just don't know if Corey Feldman's in on the joke, but sometimes you think he is and he's doing it, you know, tongue in cheek. But other times you're like, no, he can't be in on the joke because apparently when he plays lives, he sings like Axl Rose and does like the snake dance and everything. But Corey Feldman and that panel... Dude, after seeing his like comedic timing in person, his ad- <laughs> and I, I'm hesitant to say improv because I think he like worked all day on some of these one-liners and jokes that he told. <laughs> Dude, guy is not funny. Like I, I said I, that in the last podcast, I said he had the comic timing of a snail, and I stand by it. So you think he was sitting in his Hollywood apartment because he doesn't live in a mansion like in the reality show? I'm convinced he's like writing down his comedy stuff and testing it out on his cat. And he doesn't like it. He's wadding it up and throwing it and missing the basket and writing another one and waiting for the cat to agree with him that he's funny. You know, you you guys say how full of himself. I, I just think the guy, he's a child star. I think he has no sense of reality. 
And so, yeah, part of that is being full of himself. And I think he probably does try out jokes on his cat and <laughs> thinks his cat is laughing. I just don't think the guy's all there. Like, I just think the guy's messed up. Well, he's he's done a lot of drugs. Yeah. Uh, he, he admits this. Okay, but I know people who have done a lot of drugs and their brain is totally fried. But did, were they also child stars? They were not child stars. <laughs> Deadly mix. Child stars and drugs. I just think this guy's a douchebag. <laughs> I think that's what it is. You guys are trying to make excuses for him. I think he's just a douchebag. I, I, I just think he's messed up. And I think he's the Feldman. He is, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you can't diss Feldman. Well, let's Feld talk dog. about the movie. Because we can trash Corey Feldman all day long. <laughs> and we will. And debate his merits as a human being. Well, you know, with, with the return of Javis and Newlander, I, Jacob, I think you and I both thought, we talked about the alternate endings to Lost Boys 2. We thought they were going to follow it up, right? Jameson was a yeah. master vampire, and it was going to be frog versus frog, and all of this great stuff. No, <laughs> that is not what happens. Yeah, that, that, that ending's not in continuity at all. There is no continuity. You just got to throw it all out the window with this. Because <laughs> they're just like, all right, let's do this now. It starts five years ago with Edgar and Alan Frog infiltrating a vampire nest in Washington, D.C., where vampires are turning a toothless senator into a vampire. But in the process of fighting them off, Alan gets bitten and becomes a vampire himself. Bum, bum, bum. Then five years in the future, Edgar is alone and destitute. I guess the surfboard shaping business wasn't paying off. And so he tries to sell all of his comics except... Batman number 14, which has an emotional connection, in order to stop his trailer from getting repossessed by the bank. However, his trouble seems to come to an end when a vampire romance novelist, Gwen Lieber, offers him a job to rescue her kidnapped brother, Peter, from vampires, including head vampire DJ X. The vampires were having underground raves during which they gave people a new drug called the thirst, which was a mixture of X and vampire blood that would turn all of the teen ravers into vampires. Gwen's brother, wanting to be one of the cool vampires, had infiltrated the group and was being kept sedated and held for ransom. Edgar resists at first, but then teams with his comic book store friend Zoe to infiltrate the underground rave. And they were also aided, and I use that term very loosely, by reality TV star Lars and his cameraman Blake, who Gwen also hired when she thought Edgar was going to say no. They infiltrate the coven and rescue Gwen's brother. Lars is killed, and they kill DJX, only to find out DJX was not the head vampire, but Gwen's supposed brother was. And he was the first vampire ever who was so powerful, DJX had kept him sedated trying to overthrow him. DJX wanted to turn the entire world into vampires, whereas Peter was perfectly happy with vampires being an underground society with plenty of food to feed on. Peter tries to reason with Edgar, saying that they can coexist with Edgar basically acting as Peter's hitman, killing vampires who try to get too powerful. But Edgar attacks Peter. All the vampires attack Edgar and Zoe when Alan Frog comes out in half-vampire mode to help Edgar fight, and they succeed in destroying Peter. Alan returns back to human. I'm not sure if all vampires are killed or not in that. We'll discuss this in the podcast. But then in the very last scene, it's teased, as it was in the panel where they said they were setting up a new trilogy of Lost Boys films. <laughs> All is not well as Edgar's friend Zoe is in fact a werewolf. Mmm. Mm, indeed. You, you know, I thought it was funny because they were talking about, they're like, we actually have this set up to be two trilogies. And I'm like, oh, okay, so I guess they're not going to kill Dracula in this one. They're going to 
somehow stretch this vampire thing out to six films. No, they decided to go the werewolf route, which probably even a worse idea. I don't get it. Twilight, Underworld, the vampire LARP. Vampires and werewolves, why are they always fighting? They're the original Crips and Bloods. This monster <laughs> on monster violence must end. <laughs> all right. So we've all seen this direct-to-DVD project. This isn't just direct-to-DVD. It's direct-to-DVD, Blu-ray, iTunes download, and pay-per-view. They're, they're going every route here to grab some cash. And based on this review, which is actually coming out before the movie's general release, you'll know whether or not to spend that 3 9 or $21, <laughs> depending on your outlet. So let's start with that opening scene that takes place five years in the past with Edgar and Alan attacking vampires in Washington. Now, Jacob, last podcast, you were talking a lot about that Reign of Frogs comic. I since went back and read it. And when I saw this scene, I'm like, oh, God, are we going to see the comic? Is there going to be Benjamin Franklin Vampire Hunter in Lost Boys the Thirst? I, I actually did get a bit of a half chubby when they went back to Washington, D.C. because I actually oh. like that part of the comic. But I, I don't understand the timing here. It just says five years ago. And, and when we get to whatever the present time is, Corey's totally desolate. So I'm not sure when this happened after the first one because he seemed to have a somewhat successful surfboard shaping business. Now we're <laughs> jumping. I, I just didn't understand the timing here. How far after the second film is this one taking place? It was five years ago. Is that right before the second film where he lost his brother because it seems like he was still trying to come to terms with that? I was kind of confused. Uh, but I was excited that uh, they do a lot of nods to the comic book. They they move things around. But I actually liked that they were kind of going the more campy route at the beginning by jumping back to Washington, D.C. And, and killing all those vampire senators and congressmen. Do you think there was a deep political statement there about the bloodsuckers in D.C.? Absolutely. Were the vampires socialists? Well, this was all about what is relevant for 2010. As they stated before the film, so yeah. Were Edgar and Alan searching to see if the senators had birth certificates proving that they were <laughs> born in the United States? That's true because some of these vampires are hundreds and hundreds of years, and maybe none of them are natural citizens. Ooh. So yeah, there's definitely a birther conspiracy going on here. That may explain Reagan. Scandal. Only a vampire could think ketchup is a vegetable. <laughs> I, I do love the fact that they had the senator who popped out his dentures and they're like soon you won't need those you'll have fangs or something like that. see again something else with the vampire etymology that we must learn because don't they always keep their fangs i'm really confused Well, he wasn't a vampire yet yeah he was just an old man by this at this point wait so the vampire makes you younger well no but it, it's gonna give you teeth uh, why? It's like Red Bull giving you wings. Vampire blood gives you teeth. Marjorie, go back to Lost Boys 2, the tribe. Remember, they, they're gutting each other because they know their, their parts yeah. will just grow back. Do they grow back or do they just not die? They grow back. They heal. Okay, so if I stab the vampire in the stomach and disembowel him, he's obviously still alive. Does he heal like Wolverine? Apparently so. In this one. You see that in Lost Boys, too. With Yeah, I saw Michael heal like Wolverine, but this is kind of different because they did it more extreme in two where they'd like gut each other. Well, yeah, and this is part of the problem of the sequel is <laughs> they always go more extreme and they always go quicker. Like in the first Lost Boys, it takes Michael a while to turn into a half vampire. It's this slow, gradual process. And the tribe and the thirst, you know, it reminds me of uh, Alien. So, you know, in the first Alien and even in Aliens, when that alien is gestating in the person's stomach, it takes a while to grow and pop out 
by the time you get to like AVP, AVP Requiem, like you get impregnated by an alien and like two seconds later, uh, the, the next stage of the alien pops out of your stomach. There's no gestating period. And that's what really threw me off here. As soon as Alan Frog is bit, like two seconds later, he's a vampire. Now, maybe if you're bit directly, it's a quicker transformation than if you drink blood. I don't know, but it just seems things happen a lot quicker. You don't have that long transformation period like you did in the first Lost Boys with Michael. But vampire culture has changed drastically over the last... Since 1987. It has! As the Black Eyed Peas say, we're the now generation. We don't have time to turn into vampires slowly. (laughs) We want to be vampires and we want it now. This is what MTV has done to our attention span. We can't have (laughs) slow building character pieces about vampires. They have to be instant. Well, I was disappointed because we'd never seen in a Lost Boys movie somebody getting bitten turning into a vampire. The classic Dracula, I bite you and you become a vampire. You know, in the past two movies, they're like, here, drink the blood wine. But this time we see Alan get bit, and that was a totally different thing. And still he only turns into a half vampire, so Mm -hmm. it's not really clear what's going on. There's some other inconsistencies with this film from the other two, which we'll get into. But yeah, this is only two years after The Tribe. It's not like George Lucas where he had like, what, 20 years between the first and second trilogy where he could forget a lot of stuff. (laughs) It's two years, and they started filming this like right away after The Tribe. Here's the problem. Again, when they were pumping this up before, Jameson and Corey, you know— we're doing vampire movies, right? We're not going the Twilight route. We're, we're sticking to the law. You know, they, they try to set up as this is the authentic vampire movie. And obviously it, it, it's not. They're going to break the rules just as much as any other current vampire movie does. So they burst into the Senate room and we get to see Jameson Newlander back. And all of a sudden, my heart fell because I, w- I was excited for this movie. I'm not going to lie. And then Jameson Newlander comes in, sees the senator and goes, it's the attack of Grandpa Munster. And he can't even deliver that line believably or funny. And I'm like, oh, boy, Jameson can't act. No, he his acting skill. I, I guess there's a reason he would just have a little cameo in a cut ending for the <laughs> tribe. You know, might work when you're 15, when you're 40 something. Yeah, those flat deliveries don't come off quite as well. And does he work other than, you know, like at the grocery store? I don't think so. During the panel, Corey said Jameson Newlander went off and was a teen idol. I I Um, don't know of that. This was all part of the spin. This was all (laughs) spin, spin, spin to me when they were trying to build this up. Yeah, yeah. you know what he did after the Lost Boys? He was in an ABC after school special about a kid with AIDS. Yes. Here's the thing. Arnie, I was excited for this, too. We talked at the end of the tribe how we were actually kind of optimistic for this movie because I thought it was going to be frog versus frog. And how great, you know, I I think we've proven one of the things in now playing besides being now nitpicking (laughs) is we also like to be now rewriting. We like to imagine a a better, a stronger script. Yes. Something they could have done. And how awesome would it have been to have like an ex-vampire slayer that's now a vampire fight a vampire slayer so he knows everything that Edgar's gonna do you know Edgar blesses the water balloon to make it holy water and now you know Alan Frog's the antichrist so he could de-holy it or something (laughs) so you have this standoff where you have to come up with some really creative solutions to stop the vampires like man why do they go the bad route why don't they go the I understand this is direct to DVD but they could be creative they could still come up with a good story no no they couldn't (laughs) Apparently they couldn't. Yeah. When you've already scraped the bottom of the barrel, there's really nothing left. 
I, I still didn't know what to think of this movie, though, when we were in Washington, D.C. killing senators. that It was a little too campy for my taste. I realized the first movie had its humor, but this was getting into really bad territory where, like, they try to be smarter than they actually are. It's like special Ed from Crank Yankers joining Mensa. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other problem is... Why the hell are the Frog Brothers so poor if they're being recruited to go to Washington to kill vampires? Well, obviously they didn't do a very good job if Alan was turned. That means Edgar gets 100% of the billing. Yeah, but you kind of lose all your credibility as a vampire hunter if one of you gets turned into a vampire, much like if you're out there a street vigilante. If one of you joins the gang, you pretty lose all your credibility. But it's not like you chose to become a vampire. This is like a casualty of war. But that means Edgar was doing a bad job defending. Just because soldiers die in war doesn't mean the army's doing a bad job. That's just there's casualties of a war. Obviously, you haven't listened to our liberal media. (laughs) But the whole movie could have been that plot, though, couldn't it? Alan's a half vampire, you know, basically taking Alan and putting him in the Michael role. Why wasn't the movie about Edgar going after the head vampire who turned his brother? Instead, we just fast forward five years, and I guess Edgar invested all of his Washington vampire hunting money into his failed surfboard shaping business. Yeah, and he's got some really bad long hair, like, just doesn't look good in this film. <laughs> it's a really bad wig. Is that, yeah, it's something. That's the thing that, like, threw me. That's when I'm like, I don't like this movie, is when I saw his hair. <laughs> That's what, like, turned me against this film. It, well, it is it's, atrocious. It's true that if a movie has such a low production budget that it can't pull off a good wig, then you know you're in for a bad wig. It looks like a cheap Halloween wig. But do you guys know where this movie was filmed? It was not filmed in Luna Bay. It doesn't even take place in... Yes. No, it takes place in San Casadora. Yes, but do you know where it was filmed? South Africa. Yep. That's where all the big budget movies are filmed. Well, what I'm guessing is they had to spend a lot of post-production money into erasing the sound of Vuvuzelas in the background. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I can understand why they had to go with the cheap wig. They had the Vuvuzela problem to deal with. I want to say, right off the bat, this movie had good effects. They put the money in the right places other than that wig this time, though. Because there was a lot of CG in this film, and it was not exceptionally bad, obvious, made-for-sci-fi television network. CG. No, when we see the first vampire kill, I'm like, wow, those effects were actually really good. And you've got skydiving vampires and exploding vampires and fire and Really? It's not bad CG. It, it isn't. I it was, was impressed. much better than two. Oh, yeah. Two has two such... is a sci-fi oh, film movie. Yeah. But this one elevated it. I guess two made enough money that they really reinvested the profits back in to try to get actors better than Angus Sutherland. Oh, God. <laughs> and effects better than made for television movies. I mean, honestly, the last one was as good as Boa versus Condor. <laughs> so then we fast forward. We're in San Casadora. Edgar is broke, but we also get to meet the vampire ravers. And, Jacob, we were talking about this when discussing how they said this movie would encapsulate 2010. I didn't realize raves were still around. I don't think a lot of people did. I didn't. The only reason I kind of knew by the time I saw this film that raves were still going on because out here in L.A., uh, the Coliseum where the Raiders used to play years and years, decades ago. We haven't had a football team in a while. Apparently, they've been running out the Coliseum for these huge rave parties and like a 15-year-old girl uh, recently passed away at one of them from oh, like, wow. a drug overdose. Yeah. So this whole like in the news is like, raves are dangerous for your kids, uh, which 
I remember raves being really big when I was in high school. Like, there's always raves going on, and that was that was a long time ago. <laughs> I was actually shocked to find out raves are still kind of big. But yeah, it, when I was watching this, I'm like, really raves? That's that's the big current thing in 2010. I mean, apparently they still go on, but they, it was a news to all of us. And they're traveling raves that you only can find out on the pseudo Perez Hilton's website. Yeah, Johnny Trash. I wonder what kind of statement they're making by naming a character Trash. But he is the celeb blogger who doesn't actually type anything. He does only video blogs. I guess it's all up on YouTube. And he's the one who you have to go to to find out where DJ X's raves are. One hour before the rave starts, which... That doesn't, doesn't give you a lot of time to get ready. I know. How are you supposed to get your hair done? How are you supposed to, you know, especially for the girls? Talk up on the glow sticks. Yeah. Get your pacifiers for when you're tripping on ecstasy and... <laughs> well, I don't think they need pacifiers as the girls at this rave were sucking on something else. Each other. Because that's all they showed us at the rave were two girls making out. And I don't mean a bunch of girls making out in pairs. No, two girls making out. That is it. At the entire <laughs> rave. And they kept every rave we saw, and we saw three or four raves, the same two girls. Yeah, and apparently they both go topless to these raves. Well, doesn't everybody? Yeah, apparently Girls Gone Wild is still popular because, you know, that was a big theme with the tribe. And there was a whole lot of boobies in this one, too. And also vampire blood body shots going on between the vampire lesbians. Apparently that's what goes on in bars these days. Well, keep in mind, that was the thirst they were taking. But no, they were already vampires. But maybe they still like to take some ecstasy? Yeah, and they have to take it in a very sexy manner off of each other's bodies. This movie's just all over the map. And the fact that it's run by DJ X. They couldn't come up with, like, a creative... Like, I have friends that are DJs, and they have really creative names. Like, DJ X? Really? It's like that's what they put as a filler while they were writing the script until they (laughs) figured out a better name? And no, they just went with DJX. And what's funny is when I'm researching this online, I think they did have a previous name. Everything I'm reading on like Bloody Disgusting and Wikipedia says DJ Dusk. But no, it was DJX. DJ Dusk is better. Maybe they, it's, it's cheesy, but at least it plays into the whole vampire it thing. It does, yeah. I mean, it is cheesy. But this whole movie is cheesy. This whole trilogy is cheesy, and that's what makes it awesome. Maybe we saw a production print, and when it is released to iTunes, it will be DJ No, Dust. I bet that was a final version. We have to watch this again to no! comment on changes? No. I will never watch this again. But, Jacob, <laughs> you own the tribe on Blu-ray. I'm sure you're down for the thirst on Blu-ray, aren't you? Okay, first of all, my wife purchased that. <laughs> and she likes the camp of Corey Feldman. She enjoys that. And she already said after this film, like, so you buying this one? She's like, yep. <laughs> she's like, I have to have the trilogy. It's Corey. I think he's funny. He's stupid and funny. So, yes, she will be buying it. It's not coming out of my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> and when we first get introduced to DJ X and the girls, they are skydiving. It makes no sense. Why are they skydiving? And they go, why would anyone jump out of a perfectly good airplane? Because it's fun. But. It makes no sense. It, it had no tie to anything else in the Why movie. Why couldn't they just land with the plane? Because the plane landed. No, I think it does somewhat tie. First of all, it, it ties into your assessment that the tribe ripped off Point Blank a lot. <laughs> it, it did. I mean, you did, with the tribe, say they ripped off Point Break a lot. 
and there's the scenes, lots of jumping out of airplane scenes, and even scenes where Keanu Reeves jumps out without a parachute. But I, I think this was supposed to be the more extreme stunt. You, know, you remember in, in the first Lost Boys where they're, they're hanging on the train track rails and they drop off and drop off into the fog and you don't see what happens to them? I think this was supposed to be a more extreme nod to that moment. But that was a cool scene, and them jumping out of airplanes to cry little sister. They had to fit the song in somewhere. And I don't think that's where it needed to fit, though. I don't think it needed to fit. I think they're just forcing it in because it was in the first film. They really could have just played it over the end credits, and I would have been okay with it. But it really did not fit there. And I guess maybe because, one, they had to fit it in, and two, in the first one... It showed the images of the clouds and everything, and they were in the clouds. It kind of paired together, but no. That was inappropriate use of the song. They had some extra money left over from their special effects budget, so I think that's why they threw the scene in. And they needed to do Cry Little Sister. Now, I was really hoping, though, you know, in the 80s, we had the ballad Cry Little Sister. And in the tribe, we had the hard rock Cry Little Sister. With this being a rave, I was really hoping for the dance mix. Boom, 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 boom. I thought they were totally going to do that. Cry Little Sister. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> but no, they just used the same mix from the <sighs> tribe. Yeah, you talk about the music for a little bit because they, they made a big deal before the movie started about the music, how it's going to be very relevant and how they're bringing in lots of rave music because that's <laughs> what's on the top 40 these days. So I totally thought they were going to throw in like some wicka, 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 you know, cry little sister mix or something. Maybe you guys should do that together. You could make a new version of Cry Little Sister that fits the movie better. You could do a fan edit of The Thirst. <laughs> a fan edit of The Thirst. It's going to be about 30 seconds long. <laughs> Just be a blank screen. And Corey yeah. Feldman going, mm. <laughs> No, but also, Corey, before the film started, he revealed that his band, Truth Movement, had a song in here as well. And for a second, I'm like, well, maybe they're going to cover Cry Little Sister. That would have made sense. But the funny thing was, I kept listening to the soundtrack. I was really paying attention to it. I'm like, okay, where's this really bad rock song going to come in? And you know what? Nothing stood out as particularly awful. No, it didn't. In the soundtrack, which means he has at least one good song. Or one song that was played so quietly in the background. <laughs> yeah, it was like playing on the radio real quietly while people were talking in, in a Maybe car. Maybe in the comic store or something. <laughs> yeah. mm. Okay, now let's talk about that because you and Jacob keep doing that. And I will admit that ever since we've seen this movie, anytime Arnie asks me a question, that is my response. Throughout the movie, Edgar Frog's number one answer to every question is what, guys? Mm. Exactly. What's up with that? Have you seen his comedic timing skills? Do you want him shooting off one-liners? <laughs> but all he does is growl at people. He growls at people and then refuses to let go of his comic books. Again, here's the problem with sequels. Everything has to be ramped up. You have to have more. So Edgar Frog, just in a few scenes in Lost Boys, the first one, he's not even on the poster art. The tribe, he doesn't show up until 30 minutes in, and even then, he's not the main character. He's still a B character showing up in key scenes. Here, it's all about Edgar Frog. And I'm sorry, Corey. You're a nice guy. You were great to my wife. You can't carry a film. At least <laughs> after the age of 15, you can't carry a film. And that's what doesn't work for me. 
It ended with Goonies. He is awesome in Goonies. He's not the main character, but he's awesome in Goonies. Even, you know, licensed to drive the Corey films. Stand By Me. Stand By Me, he's great, yeah. When he was 15, I don't know, he lost something. All those drugs that killed all whatever little talent he had that made him convincing as a child actor, it's gone. He cannot carry a film. I do not want to see another film that Corey Feldman's supposed to carry as the main character. Well, here's the thing is, I think that growl was supposed to be funny, but they do it too often for one thing. They don't save it for the special moments. They just do it all the time. Now, the Edgar Frog character is obviously very based on Rambo, from the red headband to the weaponry. And one of the things about Rambo is he's very laconic. He's not a big talker, that Rambo. And I think they were trying to go back to that. And when Edgar needed a witty response, instead, they just have him... But I think Rambo wouldn't even have growled. Maybe he would have growled, but he mostly would have just given a withering stare. Feldman doesn't have a withering stare in him. No, he's got a bad wig and he doesn't look mean at all. Rambo, you know, Sylvester Stallone, the guy looks intimidating. Not Corey Feldman. Feldman growls too often in this movie is the thing. If they'd saved it for some key moments and dropped it maybe three times in the film, that would be one thing. He growls like 30 times in this movie. Maybe he's preparing for the next one where he has to speak werewolf. Mm. Yes, yes. Maybe he is a werewolf and that just wasn't revealed here. And that's why he loves to growl. And kill vampires because apparently they don't get along. Can we talk about Gwen? Yes, she is the author of a Twilight-like vampire romance series. And Edgar is all pissed off at her. He doesn't want to take the job because she's romanticizing the undead. Which I I thought that was really funny. Got a good laugh out of the crowd. Oh, we're making fun of Twilight. Here's my problem with Gwen. And and I'm about to uh, spit some mad Twilight knowledge that I have. Oh, boy. About Stephanie Meyer. And it's not obscure knowledge, but Stephanie Meyer, she's Mormon. She's religious, and Twilight is kind of like this big parable about abstinence and this big analogy for abstinence. And apparently if you have sex before you're married, you turn into a blood-sucking vampire. And so there's always this resistance to to all these sexual uh, overtones of vampirism. And I'm sorry, Gwen is no religious person in this film. She's got the tramp stamp. She's running around in the itsy bitsy teeny weeny bikini. I just thought it would have worked better if they would have based her. Yeah, they based her kind of on Stephanie Meyer that she writes Twilight romance novels. And maybe they were going for just the more general popularity of the vampire romance novel. That's real big. There's all the spinoffs, all the copycats of Twilight. But they made her this total tramp. And I would have liked it if they would have played more on Stephanie Meyer's image. Maybe not enough people know about that. To, to I didn't. Have it. Okay. Here's the thing. Twilight's too easy a target. You know, making fun of Twilight is really like making fun of Jersey Shore or something like that. I mean, you it's, don't have to work too hard. It's just as much fun. Yeah. I have to say, though, Tanit Phoenix, no relation to River or Joaquin is not really playing it too close to the vest there. Didn't y'all know she was kind of evil the moment she shows up with that tramp stamp? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's totally obvious there's some twist. We complained with the tribe that there was no twist. This one communicates a twist so obvious that she's got something up her sleeve. Yeah, I'm, I'm like the whole time. She's a vampire. She's working with the vampires. She didn't seem too upset about her poor kidnapped brother. Mm-mm. And she seemed very much like... 
I can't remember. Did she and Edgar have sex in that hotel room or did she try to have sex with Edgar in the hotel room? Well, she tried to like seduce him or something. She's running around in her bathrobe and letting it fall or or something like that and trying to play it up sexy. I knew there's so I thought the plot was going to be they're just she was trying to lure Edgar to get murdered because uh, by vampires because he was the number one vampire killer. I thought it was going to be some kind of revenge for the senator thing because the senator thing never comes up again. Nope. I, I th- that, that looks like it was added as an afterthought, though, doesn't it? <laughs> Well, and the other th- weird thing about Gwen is who she hires after Edgar Frog originally turns her down. I'm like, this lady can't be too serious about getting back her brother because she hires a uh, man versus wild TV, <laughs> you know, Steve Irwin or something like that, where they go and let me show you how to live off the land. And he's got the one man camera crew. And I'm like, really? This was the next best thing. There's no mercenaries, no bounty hunters in America. The next best thing after a vampire killer is a, a fake TV survivalist. It makes no sense. And again, that's how they're being referencing so that when you're watching this movie in 10 years, you're going to know it's 2010 is because there's a reality TV star and his cameraman on there and they're talking about how fake reality TV is and how it doesn't matter if vampires are real. And they actually find the kidnapped brother and go, oh, we can't rescue him now. We have to rescue him at the end of the episode and leave him all tied up. I actually thought that was funny when they did that, though. I enjoyed that moment. But didn't Corey also make a reference, all that reality stuff is fake? Like, was that a real self-referential moment for the two two Corys? It has to be, right? I kind of chuckled at that because, yeah, I figured it has to be. Do you think he realized that? (laughs) <laughs> Again, I, is he in on the joke? We don't know. You, you think he's got to be. He, he you deli- think that. You want to think that. Then there's Johnny Trash. We're talking about reality TV. Let's talk about the celeb blogger Johnny Trash. He comes into the comic book store, but he's too good to shop for comics. He wants graphic novels. And so they kick him out of the store. Aren't the brick and mortar comic stores so hungry that they would just sell anything to anybody at this point? Well... Most brick and mortar stores have really gone the really amped up their graphic novels because a lot of people it's called trade waiting. They wait for the trade paperback. Not as many people buy the single issues anymore. They just wait till it comes out collected because you it's cheaper. You get the whole story in one shot. And I, I got to say, the comic book store, I want to know what comic book store that was, because that looked like a real store. I was looking at the books, the posters. It looked like a very authentic comic book store. In South Africa. <laughs> it, it must. I don't know. It must have been, because that's where they filmed this. But it, it was very authentic. Like, they had recent comics on the shelf, which kind of surprised me. But, yeah, I didn't understand, like... I, I guess as a comic book nerd, there's always that kind of internal fighting in comic book land where you have these snobs. I only read original graphic novels. That's the highbrow stuff. I don't read your superhero crap. And again, I don't – maybe they figured this was coming out at Comic-Con, so they wanted to have some scene like that in there. I don't know. It seemed out of place. I I, I kind of enjoyed it because I participate in the comic book community and, and – you don't have them, you know, those kind of debates come up like as harsh as they were in this movie, but you always get the one snobby person that won't read anything if it has a person with a, a cape on in it. But it's an homage to the first movie. Well, yeah, which I, I like that they had it because that was the tribe. I'm like, what happened to the comic book store? And at least they had a comic book store in this one. I, I I felt that that was one of the charms of the first Lost Boys. It's like comic books are real. They'll really teach you how to kill vampires. I kind of like that as being a comic book geek. 
Like, I thought that was cool. So I'm glad they brought the comic book store. They, they didn't play it up as much. I mean, they actually turned to an actual novel to get some vampire knowledge in this one instead of comic books. But I, I like that they had the comic book store back. Well, in the comic book store, Feldman is selling all of his comics, none of which were bagged and boarded, might I add. No, how's he going to get good money for those if he's not kept them well? <laughs> and acid-free bags, and that's the way to go. But he won't sell Batman number 14 because it has sentimental value, and they keep showing flashbacks this entire movie from Lost Boys 1 of Corey Haim and the Frog Brothers. And they even have a scene where Feldman visits... Sam's grave and it's implied that after the events of the last movie Edgar had to kill Sam and this Star and Michael are now really pissed at Edgar but I thought they were dead yeah Star and Michael are alive in this one when at least in the the graphic novel it implies that they died and the second one kind of implies that they died in a car crash they never say their names but yeah now they're alive again maybe they're undead they might be. They were half vampires. At maybe, one maybe they're zombies. Now that we have werewolves, maybe they're zombies. <laughs> what was with all the Haim stuff, though? It is, and I got to ask, since he, he obviously died after this was filmed, but was it in bad taste to have all of these Haim inserts? Do you think and, they should have re-edited it just because he died? Is Perhaps it, is, they, I can't decide if it's an honor to Corey Haim to have Corey Feldman visiting Sam's grave or if it's disrespectful to Corey Haim. No, I don't know when the behind the scenes is coming out for this movie or if it ever, ever will. Maybe it'll be in Corey Feldman's sure documentary. Like a three-hour documentary on the Blu-ray. Yeah. The DVD commentary track. But I bet that a lot of that was added after Haim died, because Haim died this last March. This movie, world premiere in July, which we hope that was the final edit. Who knows? I bet a lot of that was added after he died because, one, he wasn't in the movie. Apparently, his schedule was too busy. I don't know he, what he was doing other than drugs, but I bet it was added in a, as an homage to Haim. Haim said he was too busy to do Lost Doing Boys what? 3. Did the, the Target not want to let him off to film in South Africa? <laughs> I think he was just pissed after he got snubbed for Lost Boys the Tribe. Well... In the panel before the premiere, they said that they set up Lost Boys 4 to feature the return of Sam and the return of Laddie, by the way. Yes, they mentioned mentioned Laddie. They dropped his name in this saying he's married with kids. But I don't see them setting up Sam's return. They're pretty much saying Sam's dead and Edgar is sad about that. See, now the film is distasteful. I do think it was an homage to Corey Hay. Maybe the producer, I don't know if it's the same producers as the tribe. Maybe they even felt bad for snubbing him and they, they wanted to do something to make it up. Or maybe they were trying to cash in. I, I could be cynical too and trying to cash in on his death. But what I think would be in really poor taste if they somehow get the funding to move on. If they have Sam reappear, but he's in like full makeup and they have some different actor and he just reappears as a vampire that clawed his way out of the grave or if he even shows up as a werewolf or a zombie and they just totally cover his face up in makeup. I think that would be in bad taste. I think Sam Emerson, no pun intended, needs to be laid to rest and they they need to move on. And I don't want to see that character come back. Not that I'll probably be watching any of the other sequels, but 
I, I would that I think would be in bad taste if they did that. And it's a shame though, because again, I think we mentioned this during part two. The sequel we wanted to see was Corey versus Corey. And it was teased at the end of part two, is what we wanted part two to be. And then they with Haim Alive, they made part three, and that's still not the movie they made. So for whatever reason, be it Corey Haim wasn't reliable enough, they couldn't insure him for the production, that's very possible, or they just felt that was a story they didn't want to tell. They missed their chance, and now we'll never get Corey versus Corey. That's sad to me. Are you going to be okay? It is sad. I mean, it was the natural way to go for this film. And it not just because of the first Lost Boys, because they're friends in it, but because of the meta-knowledge of who the Corys are. It just seemed the way to go, and it's a shame they didn't take the chance to do that or didn't get the chance to do that. So Johnny Trash, DJ X takes him on a limo ride, and Johnny Trash is like, you won't have anyone come to your party ever without me. And he, he says into the blog, find out where the party is one hour before the party, and then they kill him. So how did anyone ever find that party? There was a rival blog that they also <laughs> went on. Jeffrey Garbage. <laughs> yeah. Twitter. I actually leaned over to Emily. I'm like, how do they? Because they end up going to like this island where there's like an old, what was it, a sewage plant or slaughterhouse? Slaughterhouse. Yeah. It's always a slaughterhouse, just like in Blade. Uh, yeah, that, that's right. Because I'm like, wow, they're just copying Blade here, which opens with a rave in a slaughterhouse. Uh, but I asked Emily, I'm like, how did they know? Because all the kids just start showing up. And it's not like it's easy to get to. It's not like, whoops, we went to the wrong slaughterhouse on an island. Let's just jump on our <laughs> boats and hurry and get back to where the rave actually is. Like, there's some time investment to get to this island. I'm like, how did they know to go get there? And she's like, um, I think they just assumed or something. Hmm. So, like, they don't explain it. They just show up because it's a slaughterhouse on an island. Why not? Yeah, that's the hardest rave ever to get to. I don't think I would have put that much effort into getting to a rave. I'd be like, boats? Yeah, you know what? I'll pass. But there's two chicks making out. Okay, and what's your point? See, I'm a girl. Does not matter to me. I'd get on a boat for that. Uh. <laughs> Before they infiltrate the vampire nest, Edgar goes off to see Whistler, or whatever his name is in this movie. You know who I'm talking about, right, Jacob? Oh, yeah. His weapon supplier. <laughs> because he's so poor, he can't afford a trailer, but he could buy him some highly powerful arms off someone. Well, no, Gwen was paying. Remember, she? he said, okay, he said in her hotel room, I need very expensive, very customized weapons. That's right. <laughs> they actually had an explanation for that problem in this movie. They didn't just gloss over that, but they gloss over so many more important things than <laughs> Edgar Frog's budgetary concerns. <laughs> Well, the economy's been hard on everyone, guys, okay? Yes, because this movie's relevant to 2010. Yeah, Edgar Fox having hard times. He is, and I'm sure yeah, the it's because... The mortgage meltdown hit his trailer park. He got an arm on his trailer, and I'm sure that's exactly what's going on. They've jacked up the interest it, rate. It's a vampire movie. When you said an arm on his trailer, I was thinking an actual human arm. Adjustable <laughs> so rate mortgage. I. Don't get one, kids. <laughs> yeah, you got one of those subprime loans so, to pay <laughs> Did you guys like the weapons? It seemed to be like there was a scene of him training with the water balloon and the stakes and everything and the crossbow. And I'm like, that scene needed to be in part two. That would have set up Edgar's fight against that vampire whose head explodes. If that scene had been in part two, then the fight would have made sense and paid off. Here, they added that scene. I almost like, is this a cut scene from part two? <laughs> Except Edgar was wearing the bad wig, so I knew it wasn't. <laughs> Well, that's what confused – again, with the time of this movie, is this right after two? Is this like four years, six months after two? Has he not been slaying vampires for almost five years since the tribe? 
that he has to get back into practice. Like that, my problem was I didn't know the timelines. I didn't know how out of practice he was. I, and, and I don't know why I'm concerned about the Lost Boys direct DVD timeline, but <laughs> it caused problems for me. So they're infiltrating and I said the effects were better and they were, but Jacob, you had a real problem, I know, with the vampire kills. Yeah, okay. The Lost Boys and Lost Boys the Tribe, they use the exact same line. No two vampires die alike. Some explode, some implode. Well, apparently in The Thirst, you know, they don't die differently. There's two main kills. And, you know, you kill the vampire and they kind of have this cool effect where they kind of burn and turn to ashes. And then they either explode into blood or explode into ashes. And that's how every vampire dies. You see two explode into blood and all the rest explode into ashes. And why that seemed like such a pivotal thing in, in the, the first two movies that they explain that they die differently. Why? Why did that all of a sudden change? Money. That's what I was going to say. It's a budget thing. They had much better effects on this movie. However, they couldn't afford to do very much variety with the effects. And here's the thing is it's the same thing on like, I remember listening. Oh, God, I'm such a dork to Buffy the Vampire Slayer (laughs) director commentaries. Oh, boy, that is dorky. And they would explain that sometimes they'd stake people off the screen because every time you'd see a vampire turn to dust on the screen, that was a million dollars. Wow. Really? Yeah. But really. how did they afford in in the tribe to kill them all differently then? I guess they didn't have the CGI. They were paying Angus Sutherland and Stifler Light scale. That's how. Here, Wait, who, who are they paying besides Corey Feldman who was making above scale in this movie? I don't think Corey Feldman is making much above scale in this movie. <laughs> well, they filmed this in South Africa instead of Vancouver, so... Obviously- you would really think that the travel... <laughs> But I guess you just have to get the people there. Yeah, did, was there that much of a tax break to go to South Africa? <laughs> well, if you notice, I don't know how much horror movies you watch normally, Jacob, but a lot of the horror movies that are straight to DVD are being filmed in Poland, Spain. Romania Romania's is really huge. Big. Yeah, there's a lot filmed in Romania. Is it because they don't have any workers' rights laws? They could get children to be the grips and stuff in these countries? <laughs> like, That's why I they're filming so poor. <laughs> I don't remember where I heard this. I think I heard this at Comic-Con was that in Los Angeles, a set may cost you $10 million. And in Vancouver, that exact same set because of labor costs and everything will cost you $1 million. And in Romania, that same set will cost you $50,000. So you could afford to pack everyone up and and take them over in coach to film it. (laughs) No, but I mean – that just seemed like such a big part of the Lost Boys mythology that every vampire dies differently. It really bugged me. Like, at least stay true to whatever mythology you set up. You sped up how fast people turn into vampires. Okay, whatever. I get that. That's a sequel. But they repeated the same line twice in the first two movies. Well, like, I was waiting for an explanation why they were dying the same. Was it going to cause some confusion to Edgar Frog, who's the expert vampire hunter? Isn't he confused that all of a sudden they're breaking the rules? Here's the other thing. First of all, I agree with you 100%. And if they didn't have the money for more CGI, because they all die differently, they should have done some practicals, you know, break out the makeup unit and just do something, you know, back like they did in the original Lost Boys with some latex and some acetone. But the other thing is they didn't stick to their own mythology because in this movie, at the end, they're talking about killing the head vampire. And it seems like that 
turns all vampires in the world back to human, whereas previously they said only half vampires change back to human. And that's why Michael couldn't kill anybody and why Stifler, I blanked on his name, can't kill anybody either is because if they kill someone, then nothing can turn them back and they're damned. But here they kill Peter or whatever his name is, uh, Paul, Mary... back to this you guys are thinking way too hard about the vampire etymology because it's all over the map it fits whatever movie they're making at the time and you just really gotta let it go no 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 i agree (laughs) with jacob you can't let that go that's so basic Jacob, you had your stories from Comic-Con. Let me tell you mine. The writer of Lost Boys the Thirst was up there with Corey and Jameson. And he was the same writer as part two. And they're there watching the whole movie with us. And when the movie's over, I start sprinting towards that writer. I want to shake him and ask him what happened. And I almost got there. And then they got behind a security wall. And like a bunch of big guys were like, no. But I I didn't want Corey Feldman. Or I wanted to talk to the writer and go, what? the fuck <laughs> what did i just watch why did they all die the same all right budget why did, did were all vampires dead explain this to me why were all vampires dead and why did alan never make a kill what was with alan doing taxidermy well okay in that you've read the comic book so that's what grandpa was doing and, th- and that they try to tie grandpa's taxidermy into him being a half vampire which is funny because they slam twilight so much but the whole thing with twilight is that edward and his clan they are quote-unquote vegetarian vampires they will not feed on human blood they only feed on v8 animal blood and so that's what they were trying to explain with jameson that's how he's been satiating his bloodlust this whole time by taking up grandpa's occupation of taxidermy and but they never come out and say it I kind of just assumed this because I read the comic and that's what they explained in the comic. But I think that's a really great idea for him, a great business venture, because he's already killing the animals and he is now using that, not putting anything to waste. He's living one with the land. and <laughs> He's he, very green. He is very green because he's now selling these and some people pay a lot of money for stuffed dead things. But the other thing is... Is it not just Twilight? That's back from Interview with the Vampire when Louie was the moral vampire. And so he'd only feed on rats instead of people. And all the other vampires made fun of him and called him Rat Eater and whatever. There's one other big continuity flub that bothered me. And again, Lost Boys in the Tribe, when the full vampires change, or even the half vampires, when they start changing, their faces change. And we talked about, oh, hey, maybe there's different tribes. That's why they turn more ugly and more extreme in the tribe than in the first one in the thirst when they go into vampire mode their eyes their pupils get really big and black and they have fangs and that's it which is a lot more like the original and i was fine with that i really was i thought they kind of overdid the makeup in the tribe see i just felt that they didn't even change anything there just needed to be something I, i just felt like Again, maybe budgetary constraints. They spent so much on that cinder effect when they kill a vampire. They're like, okay, we'll black out the eyes and give them some fangs. It, it just see with all the other – if that would have been the only thing that was different in the lore that the Lost Boys had set up, it wouldn't have bugged me. But they 
didn't stick to a lot of the rules they built. So that that was just another log on the fire to build my flames of disgust for this film. Wow, flames of disgust. I loathed this film as I was watching it. You know, it, it had its moments where I chuckled, but I like I said, with The Tribe, I, I like that film. I, I, I You know, when I'm in a lighter mood, I could sit there and enjoy it. This one, I'm like, when's it going to end? I'm done. Well, we get to the end, and... Edgar starts fighting against DJ X, and I have to say this, X was not a good villain, because there was really no interaction between him and Edgar. The only thing was it was a race for time, X trying to turn all these teenagers into vampires and turn everybody into vampires, and Edgar trying to stop him, but what the last two movies had was this great back and forth between the villain and the hero, be it Michael and David or Angus and Stifler. You know, there was a great back and forth between those two. Here, DJX seemed pretty unaware that Edgar even existed. He was skydiving and killing bloggers. But when their big climactic battle came, it was a yawner because there was no dramatic tension between the characters. Yeah, this final fight, it seemed like, okay, we're going to have a fight because that's how all these movies end. Like, I didn't feel invested at all, especially because I knew it wasn't going to end with DJX. I knew there was going to be some twist in this one. The first one, we were surprised because none of us really anticipated that twist. The second one, we all anticipated the twist and never got it, so I think we were surprised by the end. This one, I'm just sitting there, I'm like, okay, hurry up and kill him so the real bad guy could appear. I had this feeling all the way throughout. I kept thinking that DJX with his two lesbian chickies, I thought one of them would have turned out to be it. I didn't think it was the other guy. I also knew this wasn't going to be the end. I knew there was something up. I knew Peter wasn't the brother of Gwen, and I suspected they were lovers uh, because that whole brother-sister incest thing, I still say that's what Cry Little Sister's about. I, I was reading the lyrics that, you know, before we started this podcast just to g- go over them, and that song's totally about incest. Now that I've really studied the lyrics, there's no other way to take that song. <laughs> So you have the big sister kissing little brother or whatever. Now, now, see, I thought they were, again, trying to tie into cultural relevance because it's obviously like this 12-year-old kid. He looks real young and this older woman. So I thought they were just trying to do commentary on the whole uh, – Ashton Kutcher? No, no, female teachers seducing their students. I oh, thought God. he was just a twink. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really didn't think – I was kind of surprised when they kissed because I didn't think he went that way. I just Especially was- at raves with glow sticks and yeah. poppers. But they did say they were brother and sister, though, which I don't think was literally true. But, yeah, it was creepy when they start making out. And why didn't they turn up the cry little sister then? <laughs> They should have. It yeah. fit much better there, especially since they could have made that moment dramatic, right? With the big, like, clock chiming from Cry Little Sister yeah. and thou shall not fall. And Edgar's face goes white like what if we just pulled out a license to drive DVD. <laughs> oh, no. He goes, you're one of them. Thou shalt. You know, they could have really made that moment dramatic. And instead, nah. No, it's just like, okay, we got the reveal. Let's hurry up and end this. But then the second reveal comes. Alan shows up, and it's almost like the Darth Maul fight from the end of episode one because there's swords, and it's Alan and Edgar versus the head vampire, just like Obi and Qui-Gon versus Darth Maul, only not nearly as well choreographed because the stuff – I I could (laughs) quite clearly see Feldman did a little sword training, but not enough. (laughs) 
Oh, and they, come on. They didn't get any stunt doubles in there. Ray Park and Nicolard were nowhere to be seen in South Africa. What's a stunt double? <laughs> it's something we can't afford. <laughs> but it, it, did, did anyone else get that Phantom Menace vibe? Because it was kind of a, a well-cut fight. It was well-edited, even if they just couldn't do the flips and moves that they were trying to do. And it looked like a bunch of kids on the playground with wrapping paper tubes. I, I was actually kind of impressed. I expected it to be a lot worse. <laughs> So I, I guess because it wasn't complete crap, I, I was kind of impressed by it. Low expectations yeah. pay off in a well, yes. you know what happens with fights like that? They've either got to go one of two ways. One, it's got to be a super awesome, like, Ray Park in a mask fight, okay? Or it's got to be so ungodly bad and unenergetic that you just love its camp value and I think that's what went on here there's no in the middle where you think no, oh I think this was in the middle where it was energetic but campy ah. yeah they weren't going to be doing any backflips but they were adequate enough to swing their swords <laughs> you know they, they weren't going in full slow motion mode they, they were able to do it somewhat quick but the, one of the other questions I had for the writer, that if I had succeeded in chasing him down the hallway of the hotel, was going to be, why did Alan turn on Edgar? The head vampire, like, enhanced something, and then Alan turns and starts fighting Edgar. I, I'm confused. Is Alan a full vampire? Is Alan a half vampire? Can the head vampire control the actions of other vampires like marionettes? What happened there? Arnie, you remember with the tribe, we, we brought up the whole thing of rape because Angus says, come to me, and half vampire chick goes to him. So I, I think there's they have some kind of control, even if they're just over half vampires. They have some magical way to make them do something. I guess seduction I go with because that's like the classical Dracula thing is the woman stands there while Dracula wraps her in his cape as a nice innuendo. But the kill your brother just seems a little bit more because if that was the case, why didn't David just tell Michael, kill a surf Nazi? That's um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, it's kind of like hypnosis. You can only make them do things they really want to do anyway. Mm. You can't make them do things not in their nature. The 17-year-old really wanted to be raped by someone in their 20s. And <laughs> it was statutory, and he was probably in his 40s, but just looked vampire young. Yeah. Vampirism is very good for your dermatology. Yeah, I, I'm starting to come onto the Marjorie side. I, I think now we have delved too deep <laughs> into the, the Lost Boys directed DVD lore. Some places you just can't go, because then you're just thinking too hard, and you lose all the fun. Wait, you're saying there's fun? <laughs> yes. So they defeat the vampire, and then we reach the end of the movie. We're back in the comic book store, and I guess Edgar got some money because now he has a Kindle. <laughs> because it's 2010. We got to comment on the times. Oh, wait. Isn't the Kindle dead now? Yes. Because of the iPad? <laughs> well, he had a Kindle, and he's reading on the Kindle because he sold all his comic books. You can't even read comics on a Kindle. But look, we saw the phone that Corey had. For him <laughs> to have a Kindle, I mean, that's pretty up to date for him. I wonder if it was a Wi-Fi model. Well, that's awful the expensive. X, the extra large one. <laughs> and then we find out, oops, Zoe is a werewolf. Because he's reading a book on his Kindle that werewolves are real, and they don't just turn into wolves with the full moon, and then her eyes glow. Very thriller style there. Yeah, it, it was. was. We just needed to laugh at the end. <laughs> Feldman loves Michael Jackson. I, I'm sure he. Uh, he was in full Michael not. Jackson. He did. He mode. had the strand of hair hanging down, and so so. Here's my question with Zoe then, because we find out she's a werewolf, 
Which explains and, why she had holy water earlier, because that was also in my iPad notes to ask the writer until that very last scene, because she, she gets attacked by a vampire and just so happens to have holy water in her purse. And I'm yeah, like, you think it's mace, but it's actually holy water. And like the whole, I remember you're like, why did she have holy water? Did I miss something? Did she have holy water? I'm like, I don't know. She just pulled it out. <laughs> and, and so are we supposed to assume because she's a werewolf and there's a Bloods Crips rivalry between werewolves <laughs> and vampires that she just carried it around because she knew vampires were real as much as this movie tries to make fun of twilight i think it's leaning heavily on the twilight vamps versus werewolf thing well you had that in underworld too though it goes back to dracula versus the wolfman i guess i thought they just didn't get along for some reason like somebody had stolen someone's girlfriend well now you're getting into twilight because that is that is the the, the rivalry there so let me ask you guys before we get to our recommends. Does the Lost Boys Werewolf Edition entice you or has it jumped the shark that Angus finished feeding on? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it doesn't entice – I mean there's just something about the whole vampire lore with Lost Boys that it seems to be connected. You know, moving on to Lost Boys Frankenstein Edition or Lost Boys Werewolf or The Mummy, it it doesn't have the same appeal. I wish they would have kept, you know, the – Peter, Paul, or Mary, you know, the original vampire, which, which, how did he become a vampire if he's the original? Huh. They didn't explain that. And Rice <laughs> goes into that with okay. the original vampire making a deal with Satan. And, you know, you, let's not go there. Certain things need to not be explained. Yes. I, I wish they wouldn't have closed the book. And I'm sure they'll find some way to open the book back up with vampires if they get around to that second trilogy. I, I just think the Lost Boys, because the whole thing, it's Lost Boys. It's Peter Pan. You never get old. You never die. I mean, that's so – you don't think of a werewolf and go, you never get old, you never die. No, that's so connected to vampires. The Lost Boys needs to be tied into that mythology for me. It was kind of a groaner moment for me. I was just kind of like, oh, man. I just – I don't need werewolves. I really wanted a Frog Brothers movie, and I didn't get that, but – Well, yeah, and before the film started, they talked about – they built up how, yeah, you're going to see how we're going to take the next trilogy. And I was kind of excited. I'm like, ooh, how – how are they going to really evolve that? Like they, they also said this movie was a sign of the times and was the return of the frog brothers. They were spouting so much shit on stage that I didn't believe them. Okay. But I hadn't seen the film yet. So I didn't know they were that <laughs> full of shit. But I mean, by the time we got to the end, I'm like, there's no other trilogy. There's no frog <laughs> brothers. They're full of shit. And then they did actually set up the last trilogy. Well, that's what that. I was like the whole time. I'm like, okay, what string? Cause they drop Laddie's name. And I'm like, okay, is the next trilogy going to be all about Laddie? Is it going to have a cameo at the end? Like, I was kind of like I wondering. It was curiosity, freak show curiosity, not because I admired it, but, you know, you just can't take your eyes away. And I wanted to see where they were going to take the next trilogy. And eh, that was such a disappointment where they decided to go. I, I agree. I'm not down for Lost Werewolves. It just doesn't work the same for me. The Lost Boys is vampires and seduction and a bunch of werewolves doing it doggy style just isn't seductive. Mm -mm. <laughs> not at all. So, Jacob, Marjorie. Do you recommend Lost Boys The Thirst, or did it leave your mouth dry? Jacob. Much like after doing a bunch of drugs at a rave, I do have cotton mouth. It left <laughs> me dry. You know, there was a certain charm I felt with The Tribe that I kind of enjoy. I kind of like it. I know it's not a good movie, but as a bad B movie, I enjoy it on this level. This one... There's no joy to it. It everything's gone. It it's this seems like a Saturday Night Live parody of <laughs> how could we make the worst Lost Boys sequel ever? It's just 
it had a couple of chuckles for me, but this is not, you know, I, I've been giving Emily a hard time because she's like, I'm buying this. She's like, I like it because I think Corey's funny in it. And this is one. I will watch Lost Boys, The Tribe with her. I will not be watching The Thirst with her, though. Even to see if it's DJ X or DJ Douche or whatever. <laughs> I'm not pining for the uh, director's cut of The Thirst. <laughs> not recommended. Marjorie probably gonna get skewered for this but i think it was better than lost boys 2 why explain yourself okay because it is more of what you loved about the first one because it has jameson newlander it has the frog brothers not just a frog brother and it was full of douchey extreme sports guys in two it was not part of the continuity it wasn't explained well it was not a lost boys movie and this was this this was a lost boys movie because this is what should have been number two because they couldn't get Corey Haim back because he's supposed to be a big star and they couldn't get jason patrick back because he's making crappy movies with cameron diaz but this is what two should have been and it should have been shortly after that like in 1990 and it should have just fizzled out after that because that was the end of the Corey's reign no, no two should have been much better than this if they did it back in 1990 this should oh, not I, I agree it, w- it should have and would have been much better but i think that two should just be kick to the curb move three to two because it at least carries on some of the continuity so we're pulling a a superman now yeah we go superman the movie superman two drop three and four and then we go to superman returns yes I didn't like no. Superman Returns. So. And they're su- and they're dropping Superman Returns now, too. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that doesn't Just like work. this should have been dropped. <laughs> I just thought it was better than two. Yeah, it had lots of problems. Not going to lie. Both of them had lots of problems. But I think this level of camp was more of what holds up to the Lost Boys original one. And I think it's a not necessarily a better made movie, but I think it's more of what people like about the Lost Boys. But do you recommend it? Yeah, I would. Because what? I- what? Because I think that... You and Emily could sit together and eat some popcorn and watch this thing. Would you watch this again? I would because I was really tired that night. (laughs) And I like really bad movies. I'm not going to lie. So are you recommending this because it's good or are you recommending this because it's so bad it's good? I think it's so bad it's good. And I think that's evidenced by the fact that you and I have been quoting it all week. Mm. It's been about a week since we've seen it. And you and I... That's how, that's why I judge a bad movie is if I'm repeating the lines after I've seen it, it's a so bad it's good movie. And I You're think this whore, falls darling. in Exactly. <laughs> so bad it's great. I do not recommend The Lost Boys 3 The Thirst. I recommend you run from this movie. I recommend acting like if it is downloaded to your iPod, watching it burns you like holy water burns a vampire. That said, is it worse or better than two? I got to split the difference. It's better acted than two. It's better made than two. But it's not as enjoyable to watch as two. And it's actually, if possible, worsely written than two. But either way, I don't recommend two and... Two, I was waffling on. I'm like, do I recommend it? Do I not? Because it had some humor to it. This one, all the humor falls flat. I'm not laughing with this movie. I'm laughing at this movie. I'm not laughing with Corey Feldman. I'm laughing at Corey Feldman's... "Mm." That's part of the fun. But yet, it's not so bad that I'm like, you gotta see it. No. Did I enjoy watching this movie? No. Was I having fun watching this movie with Corey and Jameson and the writer in the room? No. I'm their target audience. I'm at Comic-Con wearing a Lost Boys headband, and I'm not having fun. And I, I actually, midway through the movie, I'm like, this is embarrassing me, and I take the headband off. 
I, I declare my lack of allegiance mid-film. And no, don't watch The Lost Boys 2 or 3. I can't believe it, but the only person to get The Lost Boys right is Joel Schumacher. So kudos, Mr. Schumacher. Most of your movies are shit, but you did The Lost Boys right. And now as promised, I said you could win a Lost Boys headband. We have two of these to give away. And what you have to do is email show at nowplayingpodcast.com and include your name and address and the answer to this trivia question. Which president is revealed to also be a vampire slayer in Lost Boys Reign of Frogs? Ooh, that's a good one. So if you know the answer to which president is a vampire slayer in the comic, Email it to show at nowplayingpodcast.com. You're proving yourself to be a true Lost Boys fan by reading that comic. And so you will get a Lost Boys San Diego Comic-Con Lost Boys The Thirst headband. That we want to see a picture of you wearing after you win it. And if more than two people get it right, we will do a drawing to pick the winners. You have until Halloween to enter. So email us before October 31st. If anyone does answer Ben Franklin, they actually owe us... A headband. Yes, he he is on a hundred dollar bill, but he has never been a president. He is a founding father, though. Not a president. Marjorie Jacob, thank you for joining me today. <laughs> and we'll be back next week when we start our Texas Chainsaw Massacre retrospective series, and we'll talk to you then. <laughs> now I can't decide if that's Corey Feldman or a chainsaw. I don't know. You it's just keep going. <laughs> thing about living in Santa Carla, I never could stomach. All the damn vampires. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing's The Lost Boys Retrospective Series. Show the man a fire, and he's warm for a day. Light a man on fire, and he's warm for the rest of his life. Be sure to head to our website, nowplayingpodcast.com, and listen to our other movie series reviews, including A Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Halloween, Terminator, and more. Went to the website, filled out a couple forms, and clicked ordain me. If you enjoy Now Playing, please support the show. You can find a link to donate to the show using PayPal from our homepage, or you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more at the Now Playing Cafe Press store. How much do you think we should charge him for this? Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, you can find a link to our forums where you can discuss these films, as well as links to our Facebook and Twitter pages, where you can read our movie mini-reviews and chat with other listeners about the show. Just like one big happy family. The Lost Boys and all the Lost Boys universe contains is the intellectual property of Warner Brothers Pictures and no infringement is intended. Even though you're a vampire, you're still my brother. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2010. Death by Stereo. 
Edgar at first resists, but then teams with his comic book store friend Gwen to infiltrate the underground rave. But they were also aided, and I use that term loosely, by reality TV star Lars and his cameraman Blake, who Gwen also hired when she thought Edgar wasn't going to take the job. They infiltrate the coven, rescue Gwen's brother, killing DJX, only to find out DJX was not the head vampire, but Gwen's supposed brother was the first vampire ever. And was so powerful, DJX had kept him sedated with garlic juice to overthrow him. The vampires all attack Edgar, who is aided by Gwen, when Alan Frog, in half-vampire mode, comes out to help Edgar fight, and they succeed in destroying Peter, which returns Alan back to a human state, and at the very last scene of the movie, it's teased that all is still not well, as Edgar's friend Gwen is, in fact, a werewolf. Yes, Marjorie? Okay, you got a little bit wrong. Edgar's friend was Zoe from the comic book store. That Gwen was the Twilight Lady. Yeah, oh. Zoe's. Oh shit! All right, here, here, here's some fun editing for you. I'll just redo it. I, I could just say <laughs> okay. Zoe. Zoe's the Zoe. comic book Zoe. girl. Zoe. Zoe. <laughs> Gwen is the. All right. Twilight the Lady. How did you find that out? I, well, I, I googled all over the place. It's I. It's on IMDb. I'm, yeah, because oh. I didn't think Gwen sounded right because the wiki. Um, is wrong. Yeah. Okay. okay. IMDb is right with the character names. All right. Yeah. It's Edgar. You're Edgar. not watching Men in Black. It's not Edgar. He's <laughs> not wearing an Edgar suit. All is not well as Edgar's friend Zoe is in <coughs> fact choking on her tea. <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> wow. Get some down the wrong pipe there? Yeah. Shit. It's too early to drink, I guess. Okay. What'd you put what in kind the of tea? tea is that? Is that some Irish tea? <laughs> Long Island iced tea? <laughs> It's diet Snapple. It's rough stuff. <laughs> That's what she gets for drinking lemon during a podcast where she has to use her voice. Yeah. I was trying to be quiet with the ice cubes and it backfired. Go ahead. Sorry. We've all seen this. I hesitate to use the word movie as it degrades the entire cinematic experience. Does it now? Do you guys think that maybe we're not supposed to think about these movies this hard, maybe? And that's just the problem, is you're just supposed to let it go, kind of like watching the A-Team movie. That's not what now playing Turn does. off your brain, and it's a great movie. Although I will say, Jacob, I we were in Toys R Us last night, and there's all this Team Jacob stuff, and it made me think of you, and maybe you collect it all because it's got your name on it. No, but I always yell at my wife. I'm like, why don't you buy that? You're not proud to be married to me? <laughs> She's like, it's Twilight, though. I'm like, I know. Is her other husband Edward and she has to choose? <laughs> I'm, I, I'll have to ask her. It might, it might be Jameson. Hopefully they don't come out with Team Jameson stuff now that <laughs> apparently he knows her and has been stalking her. <laughs> Taint Phoenix. Tanit Phoenix. <laughs> Taint. Taint is something very different. You, you want to think that, but you're not really sure because then he comes out at panels and is holding his, you know, free phone he got with AT&T service, <laughs> trying to take pictures of himself with the crowd of 20 people behind him. Yeah, he's filming us with this cheap free phone that you get with a two-year contract and saying, you're all going to be part of the documentary I'm making about myself. On my cheap-ass cell phone. Yeah, I, I, that thing's gonna... Who makes a documentary about themselves? I've or never heard of an auto-documentary. No, <laughs> you don't do that. <laughs> You know, back like they did in the original Lost Boys with some latex and some acetone. But, oh God, I know way too much about effects. <laughs> but we like Rick Baker very, 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 very much. Sorry. We just 
had the National Taxidermy Convention in our town, Jacob. It was a huge oh, event. Man. Thousands yeah. of people here came to see dead squirrels well, on tree limbs. You know, Marjorie, you talked about your legs getting sunburned. Are you sure that wasn't the back of your neck that was turning red? Oh. I didn't go. <laughs> now, David or Angus and Stifler, you know, there was a great back and forth between those two. Here, DJX seemed pretty unaware that Edgar even existed. He was skydiving and killing bloggers. But when their big climactic battle came, it was a yawner because there was no dramatic tension between the characters. My God, no dramatic tension between the characters. How douchey am I getting about yeah. Lost Boys? Well, I, actually, I was just thinking that Angus and Stifler sounds like a great name for a band or a cartoon. <laughs> I'm not sure which. Or a restaurant. Yeah. Like a steakhouse. Yeah, that would be a great name. And the Stifler would be like their special potatoes. <laughs> I'll have the Angus and Stifler, please. Bum, 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 bum,